0: Welcome to the Providence Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you'd like to stay connected, download our app Providence Community from your phone's app store or visit our website at providencecommunity.org. Uh, so, uh, yes. Anyway, hey, grab your Bibles, put one finger in Isaiah chapter 61, and then uh, flip to the New Testament and put another finger or a bookmark or put whatever you feel comfortable putting in your Bibles and, uh, in Luke chapter 4, uh, starting with verse 16. This is just a, a word that's been brewing in me uh, for a while, and so I don't know if it's going to be uh, pretty and smooth because it's, uh, it's something that God's developing in, in me, but what it is going to be is, is ground shaking, and I hope it is going to shake you deep, Okay. Um, so this is, is very important, something I think that we've, we've really lost in the church. Um, I was going to share uh, an illustration, but I've got to get right to it. Okay, guys? Here's the thing. Um, that one of the things we've lost in Christianity um, is that we don't believe that God heals. Yeah. Okay? Um, and I, I feel like so many of us, even as I, as I say this, um, you suddenly want to escape to your Baptist roots, (laughs) all right? I've got Baptist roots, too. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying. Um, Honestly, I can say in lots of ways, I was, deep places in my heart were healed as I was at Baptist altars crying all over the place as a a young kid. So it doesn't matter what denomination you're from. the, The reality is you just can't run from what God longs to do in your life. And I think so many of us, if you feel this morning, if you, if you feel like you're in a category that says something like this, I feel like I'm stuck spiritually. I feel like, remember that song that we sang? Like, I thought these walls would be down by now. Uh, I feel like I'm going nowhere fast. I feel like I'm stagnant. I feel like I've plateaued spiritually. Um, I want to suggest something to you, and it's going to sound crazy, uh, but maybe you don't need to just internalize more information. Maybe you don't need another book. Maybe you don't need another study guide. Maybe what you need is to be healed to the deepest level of who you are. Okay? Okay? Um, the, do you remember the story in, in the Bible where the, the, uh, the, a man brought his son to Jesus' disciples and they couldn't heal him? And Jesus came down off the mountain and uh, everyone's flipping out because this boy still uh, is, uh, is bound up. And Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus arrives on the scene and the father in desperation runs up to Jesus and says, uh, he answers some of Jesus' questions. It says, this boy's been like this ever since he's been young. But if you can do anything, basically give a good try at it. I'm desperate. and I think that's how so many of us, we approach God. God, if you can do something, help me out. If you can. And God calls us to come to him seeing that he is, he is bigger than every problem. He calls us to come to him seeing that he is the solution. He doesn't ju- he's not just making a good effort. And the church is supposed to be dangerous in this way, where we actually believe for the miraculous, where we actually believe that God is the God of the impossible. And many of us, we didn't even know that that was an option because in order because it, it, it's like life on the edge when you are actually believing God to do something that doctors can't and that science can't. It's life on the edge. I'm so afraid to step out, so maybe I will, and here's what we've done: is we've created theologies that says God just doesn't do this, and if he does, it's kind of coinky-dink an accident. And then it's a safe place, and we spiritualize what God actually wants to deliver us from. Hello. Church, we got to come alive to this. This is, you, you read the Bible and this is, if, if the Bible fell out of heaven to somebody who's never heard of Jesus and they read it alone on the island, they would get that healing is real. They would get that. So we've, we've, got, these, we've got these lenses that keep us from operating in the very thing that God wants to do. And so, friends, if you've never added healing to your discipleship, you're probably just a smart but very broken individual. And I'm tired of seeing the church manifest those types of disciples. I actually think that what God does is he heals and he heals and he heals. And then a person with a whole soul gets so hungry that they step into the classroom. But my experience has been, you get saved and you get thrown into a course. And that, unfortunately, is a crazy joke. Because you don't take somebody who's got their bones sticking out of their leg because they fell off a ladder and give them a class on setting bones. (laughs) You heal them and then you say, this is actually what we did, and then they become a doctor. All right? But sometimes people's calling needs to be activated by their healing. I, I, thought, I thought you were excited this morning. But uh, anyway, hey, let me, let me tell you this. Hey, are you with me? Am I scaring you off? Are you okay? All right. Hey, let me tell you about, let me, let me testify to you a little bit this morning. I was, uh, one of our friend uh, churches called me up. Um, last week and said, hey, Nathan, we're doing like a region-wide prayer uh, service um, at, the, at the Life Center in Harrisburg, and so the Life Center became like the hub for this region-wide uh, prayer service. It's like people from Lancaster were there, Lebanon were there, York there, Harrisburg there, and surrounding regions, and they called me up and said, Nathan, we would actually like you to be there and represent York and York County uh, as, the, as the representative for what God wants to do in this day day in York I was like holy cats what no no you got no there's other churches that are bigger than mine there's other people that have more experience no no Nathan we we want you what I I I turned real spiritual uh, because fear uh, immediately ran through my body and I got real spiritual I said well pastor Chandi." That was the pastor who called me. Let me pray about this. Let me bring it to my wife. I'm a busy man. <laughs> Let me check the old schedule. Okay. I uh, checked the schedule, clear. Talk to Adrian. They're like, it's about time. <laughs> oh, great. Mm. Okay. So, Yeah. Yeah, Adrian's not like a feel-good encourager. I'm telling you, she's like a slap-you-upside-the-head encourager. Get out. She showed up, and she's videotaping this thing. I'm like, dear Jesus, this woman is a lioness. Ouch. Um, so anyway, so I went there, and there's hundreds of people. We, we got there early, and there's already 100 people there. There's people, they, let me just tell you, they worshiped and shouted to God for four hours straight. <laughs> it, was, it was absolutely insane. And uh, in, in the best possible way, they were so out of their mind that they were in it. <laughs> and so, and for four hours. And so, like, you know, 40 minutes of, of worship, try four hours. Um, when y- y- your feet have to go through a process or they go from tired to really hurting, to so numb that you just keep going, all right? That's a four hour prayer and worship service. Uh, You should be sore after it and, and need to do some stretching the next day. Uh, But anyway, that's just a theology of worship for you. Anyway, I got there, and immediately when I saw all the people and I saw all the stuff, immediately when I stepped into a moment that I didn't seek out on my own, I didn't plan for, I didn't necessarily even want, because if you guys knew me, you would know that I don't seek stages. I promise you I do not seek stages. All of my life I've run from them. And God keeps giving them to me. And what I did with God this year is I said, God, any stage that you give me, the answer is yes. I'm so sick of living in fear. And so I stepped into a place that I felt unqualified for. Pastor Chandi told me, Nathan, you're just preaching. Pastor Brian called me and said, Nathan, you're leading prayer and you're breaking people into groups. Oh, <laughs> I don't feel, and I stepped into this moment, and I want to tell you what got me on the stage when the enemy was trying to tell me, uh, Nathan, run, they don't need you here, send a text that says, I don't feel good, it wouldn't be a lie, <laughs> uh, just send them a text that said, I had to go, uh, just, just get out of there, because you don't belong, you don't belong. Have you, have you ever been in a moment like that where, you know, God's calling you into a moment, but, but hell itself is coming against you so you don't step into your moment? And God hasn't put you in that moment because he wants you to perform. He want, he's put you in that moment just so you say yes and find out who you are. Have you ever been in a moment like that? Um, and so I want to tell you what got me on the stage was not confidence, okay, because I was short on that. And what got me on the stage was not me remembering my training. I love those war movies where they're running into battle and the generals are screaming, Remember your training, all right? <laughs> that must be so nice. But I wasn't trained for this moment, I was just available. And I just walked into this moment, and here's what got me on the stage when. The enemy was lying when all kinds of things were happening in my heart and my mind when every bit of insecurity started welling up inside of me. When I started comparing myself, I'm not as good as him, I'm not as good as her, I'm going to be the worst. And I just felt God speaking to me like, even if you're the worst, step on the stage. And so I stepped on the stage and here's, here's how and why. It's because God is healing the broken places of my heart. He's, listen, he's healing. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, the love of the Father is literally healing the broken places of my heart. And the way that he's healing is attacking the lies that uh, the enemy's been speaking over me um, all my life. So I stepped on the stage and I wasn't the best, but I'm coming to the place where This isn't performance, I'm just here. And I got to the place where I didn't have to try to be like everybody else. God just wants me to be me. That's what healing looks like. So I just brought the anointing that God has on me. And I stood on the stage and my mind went blank and I didn't say, I didn't pray and say what I wanted to say. What I wanted to say is is this is an Isaiah 61 year. Pastor Pastor Keith's been saying that. This is an Isaiah 61 year and God is rebuilding in York County the, the, the things that the enemy has torn down. And he's using the broken to do it. So I wanted to say, but I just said something like, You guys are not tired enough to pray for York County, are you? You know, and then there they just celebrate even that. They're like, yeah! So it was, it was, God used it. But guys, listen, healing the broken places in our hearts, this is imperative if, if we don't operate in healing, we won't step into the seasons and the places and the neighborhoods. We won't take the stands with our life that we're called to do. This is, this is, not, this is not just sometimes, maybe, but this is the reality of how the kingdom moves. God heals people. This is not feel good. This is doctrine. God is a victorious God. Your worth is not tied to your performance. Your worth is tied to your identity as a son or a daughter. This is, not, this is not so you can feel better about you. This is so you can actually be who you actually are. So I said yes. And I think so many of us, God's calling to say yes because we've been saying no and running in fear for so long and I'm telling you, the answer to this is not a book, it's healing. God might use a book for your healing, but the primary thing is, God, whatever lie I've been believing, heal, heal. Some of us just need to be honest about that right now. We've been trained that God doesn't heal, that, we, that education is what matters, and education matters when you've been healed. So my yes came from a heart that is not being trained more, but healed more. And I'm excited about that. So Isaiah 61, here is a powerful passage that I want to read to you. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Do you know that God is angry at, at what is keeping you from being you? You know? Uh, he's angry at everything that sets itself uh, up in opposition to his kingdom. He is. To grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Now here's my favorite part. Verse 4. And they, those who were broken... They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. They. Wow. Jesus, when, when he is walking the earth... He walks into the temple in the beginning of his ministry, and he walks up, as was the custom, to read scripture in the temple. They hand him the the scroll of Isaiah. Jesus finds Isaiah 61, and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolls up the scroll. He gives it back. To the tenant, and he sits down, and and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And verse 21 says, And he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Wow, wow, Jesus, pretty amazing. So, Isaiah 61, Jesus tells us in Luke 4, is is the, the prophesied ministry of Jesus that Jesus came to fulfill. And this is a passage that is clearly defining Jesus' mission, and Jesus is basically, how does it get more clear than this? Jesus reads the Bible, and he says, I am the fulfillment of this. This, in other words, Jesus came to die, but he also came to live. Do you hear this? And his life was a fulfillment to many prophecies of old. So he didn't just come, waste 33 years so he can hang on a cross. The cross counted because he was the fulfilled prophecy of all of that got said in the Old Testament. You see this? So Jesus' life matters. His ministry matters. And Jesus living this out and being anointed to be this to us really, really matters. This was, there was a... In the, in the Old Testament, there was a year of Jubilee, and the year of Jubilee happened every 50 years, and basically what the year of Jubilee was, all of your debts are paid. Any properties that you lost are restored. You're starting fresh, and you're starting over and this is the context that Isaiah 61 is in. It's the year of Jubilee, but it's, it's a foreshadowing and a, pointing, uh, and a pointing to Jesus who doesn't forgive us and doesn't, doesn't make us new once every 50 years, but every moment he wants to. We come to him and he says, it's your Jubilee year, it's your Jubilee life, because I'm the fulfillment of what was old, I'm the new wine that you need to partake of. So what Jesus is anointed, or the word anointed, means he's set apart to do is this. This is his ministry, look at this, starting in verse, uh, what is it, verse one. To bring good news to the poor. Jesus is a bringer of good news. That word for good news is, is, is a word that can also be translated hope. Jesus, the good news, the the hope-filled word to the poor, people that are down to their last, people that are so desperate for anything, people that look into their future and they're like, there is no hope here. Jesus' ministry, he set aside to operate in such a way that a proclamation of hope to people that have disqualified themselves from it, get it. This is what Jesus does. And then to to bind up the brokenhearted, this is healing terminology. When you've got a gaping wound that's hanging open, that's killing you, Jesus comes and he binds it up and he heals it. This is what Jesus does. He binds up, I love, not just the broken on the outside, but the brokenhearted. So many of us, our hearts are broken wide open, and we've spiritualized that, and we've said, I guess that's just how it is. But Jesus says, I would like to do a healing in your heart if you're open. Jesus proclaims liberty or freedom, and he does it to captives. He says, it's jailbreak time." What's had you bound, I'm setting you free from. This is what Jesus does when he comes in contact with people that are captives. He doesn't spiritualize their captivity. He starts speaking of their release. This is what Jesus does. If you're blind, I'm going to see you recover it. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, whatever If you can't see straight, I'm coming. This is, what Je- this is what Jesus does. This is what marked Jesus' ministry. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. This word oppressed is literally prisoners of war. If, if you've been taken by the enemy as a prisoner of war and you've had to form a new reality that I'm a slave in, a, uh, in, in the kingdom of darkness, that is my reality. Jesus comes and says, no, that's not your reality. The cross says differently, I'm setting you free. This is what I do and I can, and you are. This, it goes on to say that the ministry of Jesus gives beauty for ashes. It's interesting, we think that painting ourselves with ashes is helping us worship Jesus and remember his death. But the death of Jesus brought us the life of Jesus. So we need to beautify ourselves, not act like we're still broken. Beauty, I want to tell whatever was burnt beyond recognition in your life, whatever was ugly, I'm making beautiful. This is, do, do we talk about Jesus like this is who he is and what he does? Don't we usually talk about him as a man of sorrows, which he was, but we think about Jesus as sad, never laughing, he had no sense of humor. To walk around with 12 men and to have no sense of humor, listen, I think not, hello. Uh, Jesus, he's, he's beautifying every environment. Here, listen, for those of us who actually, let str- struggling with mourning or depression or sadness is one thing. Giving into it is something altogether different. And Jesus says that gladness instead of mourning is yours. I've come not to spiritualize your mourning, but to give gladness instead of it. This is what I do, Jesus says. He says, Praise instead of a faint spirit or a weak spirit or a a spirit of heart that says, I don't have anything else to give. That's actually a wonderful recipe for a heavenly miracle that praise is going to burst out of. Now, this is interesting. When you go to verse 3b, it says, I'm doing all these things that they may be called oaks of righteousness. Who's the they? Well, the they is the people that were just healed, my friends. It's not like these people get healed, but they're in a category of broken. They're healed, but listen, do you know their past? They did some things. They're very broken. These guys over here on the other side were born Christians. (laughs) They went to VBS. (laughs) They've memorized the scriptures since the womb. Um, And they are the oaks. They are the broken, but we kind of let them in. And this is not how the kingdom works. These people need Jesus more than these. And Jesus takes the broken and makes them oaks of righteousness. So I I want you to see that they may be called. Who's the they? The they is those who are healed. Healing precedes ministry. That they may be called oaks of righteousness. See this. God's people become strong oaks of righteousness because they have been healed. They were poor. Now they're not. They were broken. Now their wounds have been bound. They were blind. Now they see. Now they have hope. Now they're healed. Psalm 147. You don't need to turn there. It should be on the screen. Just for two verses, two and three, it says, here's what the Lord does. The Lord, Yahweh, builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. If you've been exiled from the kingdom for any reason, if the enemy has broken into your life and carried you off for any reason, and you feel like an outcast, not welcome into the family, God loves gathering you back and coming to your, he's your rescuer. And what he does is he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. This is the ministry of God. This is what he does. We make horrible mistakes when we say that God just doesn't do this anymore. Now what he does is he leaves you broken and he teaches you verses. Maybe we should edit that out. But unfortunately, I think it's very true. <laughs> oh, I'm in a horrible situation. What do I need to do? Well, Beth Moore has to study. <laughs> Not knocking her. She's great. Not knocking her. But what you need to do is in, before you go into the classroom, you go into the prayer room. Before you go into the lecture hall, you get in the healing hall. And you let intercessors wrestle with your heart. I know it's crazy. But the church, it's crazy because the church has lost sense of reality we actually think like the world that education fixes everything and it doesn't what what uh, we need rescue here in his name is Jesus and this is what he does he heals you first he heals you first he binds up your wounds and we have taken broken burdened bound up wounded places and we've, we, we've, we've just tried to manage these things. But I believe this is a day that, that the Holy Spirit is just pouring out on the church again new hope to be healed. Not, not, I, I think what he's doing is he's not putting lesson plans on our heart first and foremost. He, he's putting uh, strategic intercession plans. The how are we going to pray people into the kingdom? Um. Sometimes, listen, if you're new to Providence, and, and, and uh, we, we run into this uh, pretty often, you're new to Providence, and you, you like Providence until I preach like this, uh, and, and, you, and you come, and, and you're like, oh, I love this church, and I feel so at home here, put me on a team, and we were even asking for you to be on teams, and there's this pressure, i got to do something, i got to do something. Um, there's, sometimes you need to soak in the presence before you serve in the family, And that's the reality. And so there is no weird, shameful stress on you if you're in a season where you just need to soak and heal. We'd rather see you serving whole than broken. So just serve. Ask for prayer. Lay around. Sit in your seat, arms out, crossed, just asking God for healing, that He'll move. I've told you guys this before, but, and, and this is coming from some, from some places. I can see why God had me in these situations, and they, they weren't all bad. But in my theological training, how, I, 22 years ago, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm mature, you know, I'm getting mature in my uh, old age. Um, they, we looked at a picture of me 22 years ago, and my daughters were kind of like, huh, 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 huh? Who's this guy that mommy's hanging with? You know, so, oh, that's dad. Oh, I see. Uh, a lot of maturity has happened in those days. But my, theolo- my theological training did nothing to heal my brokenness. And, and that is a reality that I want to be real about. Because this is both... Uh, extremely dangerous and incredibly unbiblical, my friends. Okay? Let's talk about the extremely dangerous one. Uh, one pastor that I follow, he, he says this, if the culture inside of you is worse than the culture of, around you, you will contaminate the culture around you. And that is why it is extremely dangerous. Because if you're broken here but know enough to get into the inner circles of you're going to contaminate. You're going to be a contaminant in those circles. You first need to be healed. It's like when, uh, when you're losing cabin pressure and, and you're Boeing 7 whatever. All right? You first, and then you help others. This is how it works. It's a biblical principle. And it's dangerous if we, if we rush into places of service before we're ready here. Now, that's why it's extremely dangerous, but let me tell you why it's extremely or incredibly unbiblical is that the people God uses to build his kingdom are the ones who both know what it is to be broken, but also know what it is to be healed and healing. That is the reality, that, that in the kingdom, God loves to use your brokenness, not as an anchor, but as a trophy. Where you remember that God's got the victory here and here's where I was and God hasn't left me there. He's my rescue and he's come for me and now I have hope and I have a future. Now I have, I have a, a healing and a ministry that I've been given. I don't necessarily want it, I'm just saying yes. In Isaiah 61 chapter four, just like chapter three says, that they may be called oaks of righteousness. Uh, uh, verse 4 of, of chapter 61 says, here's what these broken but healed people are going to do. It's not just what they're called. They're called oaks now. They're not broken. They're, uh, God doesn't call you by, your, by last season's name. Okay? You don't need to say, well, yeah, you know, I'm so-and-so. I'm a lunatic. Well, You were but now you're a son. You have to go by what God's saying about you now, not what the enemy said about you then. So here's here's what, what God does with the broken now healed, in other words, sons and daughters. He uses them to be creative restoration, revitalization, revival agents on the earth. This is what God does. They shall, who shall? They shall, who's the they? The healed they, the once broken they, the once blind they, the the once captive they, the once bound they, they. Oh, you mean all the people that seem to disqualify themselves for ministry when we looked at their past? Yes, they, (laughs) they are the ones that I am going to use to architect a new future. The broken ones, their past holds them back. Their future is incredible. I'm launching them into a greater dream than the enemy ever had for them. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. They shall. Who shall? They shall. Who's the they? The healed ones that were broken but are now sons. And this doesn't mean that suddenly you're healed of every single thing. It just means this is, this is a positional healing. I had to wrestle with my brokenness, even though I'm believing I'm, I'm a son more than ever, on Friday. But I'm not letting who I once was define who I now am. I am getting on the stage, you And I'm being who I am. So they shall, here's what, listen to this future. They shall build up ancient ruins. Ancient ruins, walls that crumbled lifetimes ago, that you just learn how to do life around. Oh, what, what, what was that? Well, that used to be a glorious wall. It used to speak glorious things about the greatness and bigness of God but it fell down in ancient times and now we just kind of use it as eye candy. Now we just kind of walk around it. Well, God doesn't let dreamers roll like that. He says, no, no, this ancient wall fell so it can be rebuilt. That's how I do it, God says. They shall build up ancient ruins. They shall raise up former devastations. What things completely rocked your world in your past and brought you down to nothing, made you eat dirt, lay in the ground, hopeless? God raises up former devastations. It fell, but it doesn't have to stay fallen. It was dead, but it doesn't have to stay in the grave. Let dreams be rebirthed and revitalized and reinvigorated again. We, we have to dream about the future God's calling us to, not keep recounting past losses. This is, for some reason, uh, this, this isn't how we define how the church is supposed to operate. Don't you know that the inventor of the light bulb failed like thousands of times, but wouldn't stop? This is how the church is supposed to be woven into the heart of the kingdom. These people, though they fall, they keep getting back up. This is what, this is the they. Those who overcome despite their circumstances and despite the former devastations. They shall repair ruined cities. Man, I drive through Hanover. And uh, I was driving through Hanover the other day and my daughter Grace said... This is ugly. <laughs> oh, she's a prophetess. Uh, yes, you uh, are. It is. But you know what God's doing? I'm watching in my own town. What God is doing is, is He's seeing. He's sending repairs of walls to specifically downtown Hanover. Jordan Ilias is one of those repairers, a visionary at heart that God is gonna use in powerful ways. And what rose up in my heart is when my daughter said, this is ugly down here because it's true, true. Being beautified by Barts in downtown Hanover. You know what I spoke into my daughter when she said that? As I said grace do you know what? You see the problem, God's calling you to be the solution. You know what you are, Grace? Is you're not someone who commiserates about problems, you are a visionary who architects new solutions. This is who you are. She's excited now. She's, ex- whoa, really? Oh yeah, you are? Hmm. But there's a spring in my stepdad, hello girl. Yes, and there should be. You're a, re- a repair of ruined cities. Um, if, if the wrong crowd is moving into your, to your town, invite them over for dinner and get the smell of Jesus on them. Don't say, oh man, put our house on the market. My mom is, is living next to a drug house. Cops sit in my mom's front yard watching deals happen. They throw, my, my kids, my son, when he mows Grammy's yard, finds syringes in it. Because when they're done, they toss into my mom's yard. And my mom has this spiritual gift of what I call Southern hospitality. Where she's just not putting up with that in her neighborhood. And she's not leaving, she's a repairer. Mom, are you here? Come on, girl. Come on, girl. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, they shall repair ruin, city, ruin cities, devastations of many generations. I think that we're living in a divine moment, guys, where no matter what generations from the past did, no matter what bad theology they, they fed us, no matter what fear they manifested, no matter what kind of, of uh, uh, you know, bondage they spiritualized, what God is doing is he's repairing even devastations of many generations. One generation on top of the next, on top of the next, on top of the next. And we're a people that are saying enough is enough This is going to be broken on our watch. Now, there's two interesting realities for this house and this Providence family. Number one, our address on the hill. I like this stuff. You might not believe in it. You might say Nathan's officially lost his mind. He's flipped his wig. And you might have a a real interesting expression, but I just believe in in the providence of God that things don't happen by mistake. Things happen for our encouragement and the advancement of his kingdom. And our new address on the hill is is 6146 York Road. 6146, huh? It hit me when Keith kept saying, hey, this is Isaiah 61 year. I'm like, yeah, it sounded good. I was just like, oh yeah, it's great, it's great. Go, go, go Keith. It hit me one day when I'm sitting at 6146. This Isaiah 61, four to six. This is Isaiah 61, 4 to 6. Whoa! (laughs) Yeah. This is Isaiah 61, 4 to 6. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall be repairs of the breach, the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. And I was wondering, God, why are you pouring out dreams on people like Pastor Marcel, that we're gonna be a safe haven? Pastor Marcel, early in the morning, saw some deer in his field, and the Spirit spoke to him, saying, saying this is gonna be a place of safety for people who don't have it. And so you, you read the next verse and it says, strangers shall stand and tend your flocks, foreigners shall be your plowmen vine dressers." I think these strangers and and foreigners are are a part of God's heart for the displaced. I think there shouldn't be uh, refugees in our region. I think if there are, we've got a a safe hill for you to be. And we're going to give you jobs that give you back dignity. This is what we're going to do so, guys, as we move to the hill, get ready to repair a lot of stuff and get, uh, uh, get ready to welcome in a lot of people that are down to their last hope. And let them just smell the hope of heaven on you. Amen? I love the next part, too. You, but you shall, there's going to be strangers up there that are getting their hope back. And they're going to be working but you shall be called the priest of the Lord. Oh, what do priests do, huh? I kind of remember last week we talked about this. There's God's, God's very smelly. They, they reek with the presence. They get in God's presence and then they go out into the world and they represent God, to people who need him. And that's what God's calling us to do. That's why we're, we're a church that, that, is, uh, that is alive with hunger for the presence of God. Providence will be known for ministry from the presence of God, but not for the approval of God. That's what's on us. We're not trying. We're sons. We're not stressing. We're daughters. And we just sit at Papa's feet, climb in his lap, enjoy his presence, and change the world. That's what we do. So our address on the hill is very significant. I think Isaiah 61, but uh, here's something else. Uh, Another interesting reality for us at at this moment in in our history is that people, you, have been sensing God's call to pursue people's healing. And let me explain Um, the past two or three weeks, uh, it's, it's like a river that I could never stop even if I tried if I used all the power and authority that God's given me at Providence I wouldn't be able to stop you okay from starting healing groups that pursue people's healing let, let me explain this for, for a, a moment uh, Wendy Kadish uh, has this burning call on her on her life to help people heal here And she says, Nathan, could I launch a group, maybe starting in October, every other Monday night on the hill that helps people heal here? Yes. Uh, Amanda Favreau sat down with us. She goes, I want to help people overcome addiction. Can I do this? Actually, Amanda was like, I'm doing this. And we're like, okay, yes, yes, I'm doing it. Yes, you are, girl. You go. And that's launching in October. Um, we've got, uh, we've all been sensing that what we need to do at Providence is as much as we gather in the presence and worship God, we also need to gather and extend the compassion of God to the streets and so we're starting a thing that we're calling right now the Compassion Project. Until we have a better name, that's what it is. But this is, this is going to la- uh, the launch the last week of, of September, but basic what, basically what it is, is we're showing up in dark places and bringing light. We're showing up in dead places and bringing life. We're showing up in, in, uh, in devastated places, in depressed places, and we're bringing hope. We're going to make our region look more like heaven than earth. And we're gonna go sir. And our hope is that this doesn't just happen once a month. This happens as regularly as we do this. It's just what we do. It's just what we do. A 24 7 prayer ministry is starting, whether we like it or not. We're not stopping the hungry from the presence. They're saying we're going to start praying, and Michelle uh, Brumgard has been leading that charge, and you cannot stop that woman. A soul care ministry that's helping people not just heal here, but heal to the deep places. Some of your lives are messed up because, because you're a slave to bitterness. And soul care gets into that place. Angie Sohnleitner is just leading the charge on this one. She goes, I, we're going to be a, a healing community, not just on the service, but on the inner sanctum. We're going there, deep, deep. Bonnie Furman walks three days a week. And she, she's, she's a mama, Mama Bonnie. She's a mama here. She loves Jesus. She walks. She's just welcoming people into her life just to walk with her. And you walk with Bonnie, and you're going. It's like walking with Jesus, I promise. And this goes on and on. Even Aaron Rash is starting a, uh, a craft group where people are going to weave stuff that's going to bring healing and comfort to others. Um, there's, a, there's a group starting, and these are like battle groups, guys. They, don't, don't picture like a, a bad Sunday school class or a weird small group where everyone's sitting and staring, and then you're like, well, I guess let's get to the curriculum, all right? Don't think that. Think about, think about battle groups where people are actually fighting for each other's heart and the presence and heart of God, slamming each one. Hello. Have you ever been slammed by Jesus? It, it's hard but nice, all right? There's groups starting for struggling marriages. There's a, there's a grief care group that's gonna be starting. There's a group even for people that need to overcome church pain. We're just bringing healing to the nations. This is what people do. This is what the church does. We hang out with Jesus, and then we're turned loose to heal people. Can I tell you one more story? I got this guy's permission. Uh, Ed Gross, one of our pastors here. Ed, where are you, brother? Where are you? There you are. Okay. Okay. Ed Gross, um, we love Ed. Ed has just been on this wonderful journey. It's just been wonderful watching Ed. But Ed's come to a place recently where, where he's, he's having this mm, thing going on with God. And he got some counseling for it. And his, his counselor led him really well. And then when the session was over, uh, the counselor said, hey, hold on. Before you give get up and go into life, I want you to do something for me. Ed's the kind of guy, you know, he, he's been ordained by multiple or, uh, denominations, including Providence. <laughs> he knows his stuff theologically. He knows, he knows, he knows. And, uh, but the, this counselor wisely, I think, led by the Spirit, said, before you leave this office, I want you to say something. I was like, fine. I want you to say, I love me. I love me. It's like, <laughs> I'm a pastor. I'm a pastorette. I can do that. But what he found out is he couldn't. He couldn't get it out, right? He couldn't eke it out. And finally, with with angst, he whispers out, I love me. And what happened in this, we've been taught, like, I was taught that that is like the unforgivable sin. You have to hate yourself and you have to love God. But this is, this, is, this is weird teaching, friends. This, you're not called to hate yourself knowing that if you hate yourself, God calls us to love others and you are another. And if you're hating you, you are hating an image bearer. If you can't come to the place where you say, God, I just, I just love, I'm not perfect, but I love me. So Ed says, I love me. And, every, and he said it and his heart expanded to the love of the Father. It's like God going whoop. And Ed said a little bit louder, I, I love me. Wong. Heart expanded. Ed says, I love me. Wahaya. Filled him silly style. And Ed is, I'm telling you, after this encounter with the heart of the Father, with the love of the Father, Ed's just been different, Ed's been been full, he's been been wild in the best possible way. The reality is we we have been trained that we're not even supposed to like ourselves. And what what creeps into that is self-hatred. So don't be surprised if you're part of a culture that you've trained people to hate themselves, that they harm themselves. You don't just get somebody that is a harmer into a class. You have to see them healed. And I think that there's people here, you are hurting yourself physically. You're hurting yourself physically. And, and Abba Daddy wants to heal you with his love this morning. There, there's some people, listen, there's some people you don't like yourself, and that is where insecurity manifests in that hatred of you. So your whole life's ambition is to make sure that everybody's cool with you. And I believe that, that God is believing with you for your healing today. Things that would harm you on the heart level. Do you, do you sense that? Do you feel that? Do you feel that? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Okay. Here's what I'd just like us to do. Even usually I have a stand. I just want you to sit there and if you feel comfortable, just do this. Say God, whatever you want to do in me today, this is just a sign that says, hey God, I don't know what's best for me, I just want whatever you have for me. So just, yeah, so just, just I I want what you've got for me. And God, as, as I sense what's going on in the hearts of this room, I sense that we can't clap like we will because there's healing to be done. And those who celebrate those who have Jubilee are the ones that, who have had their brokenness healed and their debts forgiven. And this room is full of people that have learned how to look nice while being broken. And so God, we're not staying here. We're moving on to a better future than this. And I pray God that every root of bitterness every former devastation, every seed that was sown into the soil of our souls, God, that you would begin to mine out right now and make us whole. That you would begin to chase down lies and accusations that were said of us and then locked away in private parts of us. Things that, that, are, that are actually alien to our body that we, we've, we've uh, made a home for. We just, we refuse. We refuse to welcome these things anymore. So God, I just pray for a, a holy courage to be manifest in your people this morning that we will not put up with what Jesus came to deliver us from. But God, just, would you, God, with your love, would you touch people and touch people, God? Touch people, God. In such a real way, God, that there would be You would leave no doubt that this is very real. So touch people. Self-harmers, it's so heavy on me right now. Self-harmers, God wants to heal you, wants to heal you. And I know your heart hurts so bad that uh, the physical pain doesn't even compare. But God wants to heal. God, just would you pour out your grace and your healing on on, uh, people here that just need to receive, need to know and believe that they're loved. We bless you, God. We bless you, bless you, bless you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that this word will bring light to dark places, life to dead places, hope to desperate places, and heaven to earthly places.